Hi everybody and welcome back to the latest edition of B2B Nav. Um, I think on some previous episodes we have referenced this man on several occasions and the delights and dilemmas he's been he's been struggling with with the coronavirus um, and working uh, in China. So without further ado, uh, may I introduce Mr. Mike Golden of Brandigo. Mike, do you want to give us a quick introduction about yourself? Sure, thanks Matt. Hey everyone. Uh, my name is Mike Golden. I'm with Brandigo. Uh, this is an agency I created here in Shanghai 15 years ago. Um, I've been in Shanghai for 18 years, and previously I was also in Japan for five years. So I've spent most of my career here in Asia. Mm-hmm. And Brandigo is a marketing communications firm uh, focused on B2B. Uh, we serve big clients, chemical, multinationals, um, manufacturing, automotive supply chain. Um, as well as a few other big customers, such as Costco, which mm-hmm. is one that we launched last year here in China. So um, my team is mostly Chinese, and we're focused on targeting um, people in B2B value chain with marketing communications and growth campaigns, um, social media, WeChat, all of that great stuff. So Fantastic. And, it's, uh, and, I, and I, I'd yeah. just uh, ask you, so any, any, anybody listening, the link between us two is the E3 network. Uh, so we met through the E3 network, um, had a lot of overlapping kind of clients and, and problems within the B2B world that we were helping clients with. Um, so I've worked together on, on several projects since. Uh, I guess it was it was certainly timely to have a, have a podcast with you with all the wider events in the world, um, particularly in relation to coronavirus. But I want to try and make sure that we touch on that today. But we also talk around kind of marketing around China and that doesn't kind of dominate yeah. the conversation. But I guess to start with, Mike, how did you end up in China and Japan? What was the move from the US over there? What, what kind of forced you in that direction? Um, yeah, I mean, way back when I was a, I was a martial artist. I was in the karate and all this stuff. Right. And then I went to undergrad and studied Japanese. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of those four years, I realized there's not much you can do with a Japanese studies major except for go to Japan. Right. So <laughs> off we went. Yeah. Then a few years in Japan, um, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I got into marketing there. I started off as sales, actually. So I was a salesperson for computer software, going around uh, different cities, selling uh, Quark Express and Quark Express extensions. For you old schoolers who are familiar and remember Quark Express, the kind of predecessor to InDesign. Yep. So that led into marketing. Um, then I went back to the US, uh, did my MBA, thought to myself, uh, US is kind of boring. And where can I go now? Yep. And a friend of mine said, go to China. Mm-hmm. I went, started a business, failed at the business mm-hmm. in about six months. And we had started the magazine actually. And we stopped that. Never started a magazine. That was the learning from that. Yeah. Media, very difficult. <laughs> I've heard that story a few times over the years now. Yeah. Ma- magazines yeah. aren't the way to go. <laughs> Looks great. Yeah. Bad idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we went from there. And, uh, but because of that, we were able to get um, an advertising license mm-hmm. for our new founded uh, company, our new agency mm-hmm. in China and went from there. And then 15 years later, we're still plugging away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, China is a great place, a dynamic place, especially here in Shanghai, where I live. Mm-hmm. So it's, and been then, a, it's been an interesting right. trip. Yeah. And then since then, Brandigo, now you've got um, representation in the U.S. as well as right, as part of your kind of global network. Yeah, that's right. We have a partner office uh, in the U.S. who's mm-hmm. uh, focused on global and the U.S. Uh, they're 
experts at brand strategy as well as research and sales enablement are their key things. We're a little bit more downstream. We focus more on uh, marketing communication channels, mm -hmm. uh, growth marketing campaigns. Fantastic. Great stuff. So, I mean, to say tell us your story of the last few months is a bit of a broad question probably, but um, you know, uh, obviously we, we've been in contact a lot over the recent weeks and months since, since Corona broke. But do you want to give us a whistle stop tour of kind of the, the being in China version to today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't in China for most of it. So when mm -hmm. this all started to fall apart, I was in uh, Japan skiing, having okay. a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. And it's the first vacation I took where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to leave my laptop at home. I'm not going to do any work. A bold that was not a great all, decision. That big decision yeah. we all make as we leave as we're packing. Yeah, yeah. Very bold. A bold and stupid choice. <laughs> right. So we were in Japan and then things really started to fall apart in China. And I was with my family. I've got an eight-year-old daughter and my wife. Mm -hmm. So I said, look, we're not going to go back to China right now. We've seen Japan for a little while. Then we went to the UK, stayed at our friend's place. I went to the US and did some uh, personal stuff with my family. Mm -hmm. um, and then we were in the UK until two and a half weeks ago. Yeah. And then UK was starting to lock down and we said, hey, we better get back. Uh, we got back through Helsinki, Bangkok, Pudong. That was a long day and a half or two days. I, I was following you on social media thinking, <laughs> oh my God, this yeah. looks like a, the incredible journey, you know? Three days after we got back, they locked down the China border, so we're lucky. Yeah. And um, we arrived back. I went through very rigorous procedures at the airport. Mm -hmm. um, they've taken over the whole airport for testing and for figuring out where you've been and what you've done. Then they took us to a hotel right after that. We stayed in the hotel overnight. They tested us right when we got there uh, for the virus. So we were mm -hmm. immediately tested at two o'clock in the morning. They were very organized. And then the next day in the hotel, uh, they basically let us out. They said, mm -hmm. you're, you're clear. We went back to our apartment. And then for two weeks, we had to stay in the apartment wow. and could only open the door once a day. We had a police sensor on the door that noted to the police station when we opened the door. And if someone opened the door outside by accident uh, to leave a delivery or something, we got a call from the police. Oh, wow. Um, wow, yeah, it's really strict. But it was, and we, it was and amazing. Got, and we've got people in the UK complaining they're only allowed to go out for one two-hour run or whatever it is, or right. one hour of exercise. <laughs> you know, the level of organization here is amazing. All the way down to the community level and mm -hmm. our our condo where we live, yeah. uh, they had people in charge of us. Right. We had to report our temperature twice a day. Right. We had the doctor come in the beginning and the end of the quarantine. Wow. Um, pretty, pretty amazing, you know, and this is something you can say about what China can do well is yeah. organize and make that effective. This type it, of certainly, it certainly sounds like a yeah, well-organized regime. Now, I was, again, following you, stalking you on social media yesterday, um, it was the first time you'd been out for kind of a, a lunch, it sounded like, since January or something. But what, what, was it, what was it like kind of returning to, I hasten to use the word normality, but what what's the what's the vibe or the atmosphere like in in kind of in and around shanghai at the minute yeah it's i gotta say it's it's a little weird it's mm -hmm. it's um you know it's not the shanghai i left mm -hmm. for sure you mm -hmm. know people have gone through this virus fear of being at home and self-quarantining and now you know everyone's masked 99.9 percent yeah. i saw maybe two people without masks on the entire time i've been here so far right. except unless you're in a restaurant or at sure. work. Um, people can now go to work. Mm -hmm. Shanghai is open for restaurants and bars. Mm -hmm. People are still being careful. So okay. 
you're definitely not seeing the numbers out, but it's starting to catch up. My friends who were in F and B space said they're kind of at 80, 90% of pre okay. COVID. So not bad. And some of them are doing pretty well. Okay. People pivoted quickly to online delivery and everything. Yeah. Shanghai already had very good delivery logistics set up and a mm -hmm. great infrastructure. So that really just took off. I think that's been, that's been interesting time. from the UK to see who could pivot and who was agile enough to, to switch that up quickly, particularly if you were a main restaurant that wasn't, wasn't delivering previously. Um, you know, I've seen several restaurants kind of adapt to that, but then we've also seen several of the larger chains suffer and go under and go bust as a result of the, the, the crisis and probably chains that were struggling with the F&B space in the first place, but still this has been the kind of the, the, the final nail in the coffin for them. So, um, for sure. That, yeah, some of the larger brands like Carluccio's have just disappeared, sadly. Um, yeah. But, okay, well, that sounds like a hell of a hell of a journey you've had there, but you're back to normality now. Um, and I guess one, one, of the, yeah. one of the areas we've been discussing, obviously, is the impact on not only our clients, but I guess the culture of our own business. Um, as you know about BDB, most of our clients are international. I think probably similar to yourself. So we're quite quite used to kind of the correspondence by Zoom or Teams or whatever it may be, speaking to our international clients when we're not with them in person. Um, but what's the impact been on Brandigo? I think like you know, the internal aspect of the team, because obviously you've been away from the office for a, a lengthy amount of time, probably longer than you expected. Yeah. Um, how have you found that culturally being away and how the, how the team find it? Because I guess they were working, were they working in isolation, I'm assuming, while, while, while they were locked down or? Yeah, they were. I mean, um, one of my colleagues, I know that she was at home with her cat for like mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. And I think she was starting to like, you know, go a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But they stepped up so well. I mean, they were amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I think they kind of liked it that, you know, I was able to delegate more stuff yeah. and not be in their hair, basically. So <laughs> not, not they really freak. just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. My no, no. Uh, kind of, it's inherent my in all of us, expertise. <laughs> Um, so I've been so impressed by how they've stepped up and mm -hmm. how well they've coped with it. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, you know, working with our clients to help them with their crisis communications for some of them, mm -hmm. um, adjusting their messaging on the fly as we're going, yeah, making yeah. sure that, you know, all of this communication made sense, uh, mm -hmm. especially during this time. And, you know, that they were really speaking to, to our clients, customers. So mm -hmm. they did a fantastic job around that. Mm -hmm. And we've also helped increase our, let's say technology and some of our offerings to our clients. Um, yeah. So some stuff that we had in the works or some clients were using, but not others. Yeah. We've pushed out to a lot of our clients, you know, like um, how do we replace a trade pair with something that's digital, which yeah. is around the world. Every B2B uh, has the same challenge. Yeah. You know, how do we, how do we take this time to make a more impactful WeChat channel yeah. or social media channel for our mm -hmm. client? Yeah. And most of our clients have recognized that this is a great time to rethink that and to up our game. So it's actually been great for us, I would say. Yeah. Not, obviously not every client is in the same boat and some no. of them pushed off projects and delayed some stuff or have asked us to help them out um, on some different issues. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think overall less affected uh, with B2B right now. I am, yeah. you know, looking at Q3 as where we might get more impact because of what's happening in the US and UK okay. and in Europe. Okay, that's interesting to hear because we, we've, we've had a similar experience so far. We've had obviously some clients um, that have, you know, 
deferred or postponed campaigns as a result of it, but the bulk of our clients being yeah. more in the life sciences, health, pharma, nutraceutical supplementation space, if anything, I don't think you can call it an opportunity, but they've, they've increased spend um, because you know they've seen this as something that they can push push on, I guess, uh, and capitalise on to an extent. So yeah, we've we've not yeah, held exactly. a pinch too much yet across our clients, which is which is good and, and great great for BDP, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that that it's interesting in watching the different agencies pivot. Seems to be the word of choice at the minute, but in terms of trying to yeah. um, take things in a different direction, and particularly around the events and exhibitions. Um, yeah, we, we, we've been looking at developing similar to yourselves a tool for a, a while, probably for three to six months before this, but this has forced our hand yeah. to actually do, you know, um, exactly take it more seriously exactly. and, 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 and bring something to the market there as well. So I guess, and, and for us, yep, go ahead. Sorry, go on, Mike, yeah. I was just going to mention, you know, while I was in the UK, one thing I found was like, you know, so many agencies like BDB, you know, we can work with them so well to support mm -hmm. China and we already do. We've been doing this mm -hmm. for years actually together. Yeah. Um, but you know, we had a chance to reach out to other agencies and, mm -hmm. and start to build some nice China packages yeah. that work with their clients as well. So actually from that standpoint, it's been a nice way to step back and yeah. reevaluate our business and our approach. I think that's been great. And you know, it's, um, whilst, whilst not, this isn't an infomercial for, for Brandigo, but to the, but, but to the same extent, China, we, we found, you know, in the, in the early years when I uh, first got involved with BDB, when it was under previous ownership, you, you can't do China remotely. Um, and it's just, you know, it was a learning point for me, I guess, when I came into the B2B marketing space that, and I think the previous owners of BDB thought by opening an office in Singapore, that would mean we could do China. Um, and uh, you, well, you know, as well as I do, better than anyone probably being there, that that, that just simply cannot be done. Um, so unless you are willing to invest in, feet on the ground and, and infrastructure and also then grow the knowledge of the market, throw a tiger into the marketplace that can go and win new business and, yeah. uh, and, and gain market share. It is, it is such a challenge. And I think that's what's been yeah. um, really good about working with you guys at Brandigo and from a BDB perspective, because we are very similar. You do feel like, a, you know, I can cut the corny phrase, but an extension of our team and, um, yeah, it's been quite a seamless, a seamless kind of service. But you, you guys have the knowledge, and uh, you know we, we wholeheartedly rely on you for that in that space. So, um, good, good to hear you've got some more people kind of buzzing around and some more, some more support there as yeah. well, which is great. Yeah, it's cool. Really good. So, in terms of the long-term yeah. impacts, I guess on the B two B marketing space, what are your, what are your kind of predictions or thoughts for Corona? Because I guess you are, you know, a number of months ahead of UK Europe in the in the pandemic for the meantime. Do you think do you think it will ever return to normal again, or do you think it will be a new normal that kind of comes out the out the other side of of this? Um, no, I, I think it's a new normal. I think people have changed significantly, mm. um, and you know, not all for the bad or anything like that. I think mm -hmm. you know, being able to work remotely has been yep. one of the massive benefits all around the world. Uh, was that some a thing of was that a thing previously in China? Sorry, Mike. Was were people been encouraged to work from home were people embracing working from home prior to this or no it's not, not okay. a thing at all yeah. people rarely work from home i would say mm -hmm. um there's still kind of a in some way a punch card kind of feel where yeah. you know if you're not here at nine mm -hmm. you know you're not working hard so yeah. i think that started to change mm -hmm. which is great mm -hmm. and that means there has to be a bit more trust with your sure. colleagues or with your staff for sure 
um, I'm hoping to see changes with the, some parts of B2B here are really old school still. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if we don't go see the, seeing this customer is our marketing and our sales all wrapped into one and marketing's our our brochure. Mm You know, there are people still really living this way. So I'm really hoping that we can start to change that through this. And the people say that, hey, if we don't have digital, we're not going to have anything. Yeah. So this is probably a conversation from like, you know, five, 10 years ago in the West, maybe. But here, still a lot of it's here, which is ironic because some parts of China digital are way ahead of the West in some ways. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the ones who are on the tip are on the tip and they're doing fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. They're using WeChat in very clever ways and really reaching their, their customers and target customers. But some other guys are still really old school. So yeah. if we can drag these people up and really show them the value of working digitally, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a huge plus for a lot of the companies here. Fantastic. Good. Good. Good to hear again. I, I guess the other, the other thing we've seen, particularly across our client base and I think across Europe is um, that COVID-19 Corona has kind of, accelerated the digitalization of businesses again so i think we touched on it with our own businesses earlier in terms of pivoting and embracing new ways but a lot of our larger um global clients but you know with a pan-european kind of heavy base it's certainly seen them accelerate not only their infrastructure but also their working practices and solutions and the way they're selling and communicating again it sounds like china to an extent was already ahead in that game is that is that a fair Mm. assumption that you're not playing catch up, it's probably just pushed it on and pushed it on again. <laughs> I, I feel at least in terms of overall multinational company here, mm-hmm. pretty well set up. Okay. Um, marketing departments pretty well. Um, but that marketing and sales connection, I say is still early here. Okay. So for example, like sales enablement and using mm-hmm. tools like Showpad and things like that. Yeah. Very early days here. Um, okay. Like, you know, people haven't even heard of it. So okay. um, I think, I think, you know, this would be a good opportunity to, to push sales and marketing closer together, which again, mm-hmm. it's, you know, these are old conversations, but really you old see conversations, it. new labels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a stark difference here. You can really see it. Like the sales guys have nothing to do with marketing. Right. Don't care. Not interested. Yeah. So, you know, this might be a good way to bring that together. It's a good uh, excuse, let's say. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. And then I've got my next question on my list here for you was around WeChat because that, and this is a broad question as a whole, because I yeah. think whenever, whenever marketing in China is mentioned in B2B or B2C, um, the, the, the famous WeChat is raised as, a, as, as the solution. And I think having worked with a lot of European clients who are entertaining marketing in China, there's a, misunderstanding of what WeChat is on on this side of the waters um, yeah. that I think people confuse it to be, basically be the China version of WhatsApp let's call it for the sake of it right. I think that's probably the most right. common one I come across um, and I know now from working with you guys and experience we've had with clients what it can do and what it's capable of and how it's used but would you mind just giving us a quick overview of that Mike in the sense of because I, th- I think it's one of the sure. things on this it'd be really useful for any listeners to kind of demystify what it is and what it's capable yeah. of and how it's used. Sure. Yeah. So WeChat, I mean, the first thing about WeChat, it is a communication tool. So mm-hmm. you've got 1 billion plus monthly active users on WeChat talking with each other all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to 
talk to uh, anyone in China, you're most likely on WeChat and you mm -hmm. see people walking around with their phones, you know, chatting like this yeah, because yeah. they're on WeChat. Mm -hmm. Either speaking to them like walkie-talkie or sending them messages. Yeah. Um, that's the first tool. But for businesses, it's got a whole nother use. So you have official accounts and the official accounts within that for a company, you set it up, you register. It's quite a lengthy, laborious kind of process with a lot of paperwork, as mm -hmm. are many of the processes here in China. Not yeah. difficult, just a lengthy process. Mm -hmm. And you know, part of it's that they know exactly who you are and that you do re represent this company. Mm -hmm. And once that's set up, you can have your own basically mini website within WeChat, and it's okay. called an official account. Yeah. So you can have, there's a menu within it. Within the menu structure, you can link out to your own mobile optimized website, mm -hmm. you can link to um, e-commerce sites, mm -hmm. you can have your own menu built in there with uh, its own kind of menu structure. So that's one thing. Wow. So basically a user will come to you via your content mm -hmm. that someone shared to them, yeah. or they'll scan a QR code. And okay. QR codes, unlike Europe and the US, they're huge here. So everything will have a QR code and people will know like, okay, I'm interested in that, I'll just scan the QR code. Right. Okay. Um, they're also using WeChat to pay and they're using a the QR code to pay when they're person to person paying something. So yeah. I'll scan you with my phone and they'll have the QR code. So they're really used to that type of user behavior. Yeah. Okay. Um, then you extend WeChat. You can add in mini programs, which are basically customized apps uh, that work within WeChat mm -hmm. and you can do pretty much anything you want on that. Wow. So a lot of people have, for example, um, like webinar webinars hosted within WeChat. Wow. They'll okay. have uh, presentations that they want to share with their followers within kind of a document sharing system within WeChat. Um, they might have something more special like um, for Camores, uh, which owns uh, Teflon, mm -hmm. uh, the coding for the pan. Mm -hmm. They have their, their own mini program within WeChat that explains all of the benefits. It has right. recipes. Right. It has testimonials and yeah. ways to uh, get in touch with them. Okay. So it's kind of a dynamic way that you can use it. Mm -hmm. um, people use key opinion leaders or KOLs yeah. uh, who are influencers basically to put out their own messages or content that they've co-created with them. Mm -hmm. So you have a huge, huge community and ecosystem within WeChat. It's yeah. not easy though, I will say. It's not like okay. I'm going to get a WeChat and I have a million followers. And this is the mistake that a lot of people make is that they think because they've started it that they're going to get tons of followers who just found them. True. But WeChat's not very searchable. Mm -hmm. It's not that user-friendly. You can't have a hashtag mm -hmm. and at people. Yeah. So you really have to get create either stellar content mm -hmm. or have channels through KOL, key opinion leaders, mm -hmm. to get content in front of people or have make sure that people are scanning your QR code. So if you go to a trade fair, uh, offline trade fair here, you'll always have people, you know, at the booth trying to get you to scan the QR code and follow their WeChat. Right, okay. It's a typical yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So you really have to put it in front of their face and say, come follow me. This is why you should follow me. Yeah, so it's not, um, a, it's so, not, it's not a case of if you're launching a, a brand into the Chinese markets or whatever, uh, just set up a WeChat and that's the answer to all your problems. No, because I think that's that's no, the conception that a lot of people seem yeah. to think over this side. And and it's a mistake, you know, with our clients, we try to educate them mm -hmm. on what's new with WeChat and also that make sure that they understand we can't just set it up, make content and leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. We have to push it. We have to have a growth campaign kind of uh, integrated within it. 
and the paid campaigns within WeChat are very expensive okay. and limiting, especially for B2B. Yeah. So that's not a great route. You really have to think of how you can push it out. So we use a lot of key opinion leaders or trade media that are on the channel and okay. work with them to push out our clients content as one of the tactics. Okay. That's really useful. Thanks very much for that. Matt. That's a really good overview. Yeah. No um, I guess, you know, to kind of start wrapping things up where, where I wanted to do, because obviously we have lots of clients and there's lots of people that are always considering China as a potential market for them. Yeah. I guess, would you be kind enough to suggest kind of some top tips if you are thinking about that? I and mean, one of mine would be obviously get in contact with you guys at Brandigo and have a chat if they think it's of yeah. relevance. But um, are there any top tips if you are considering taking a brand or a product into the Chinese markets? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the basic stuff first, which is we, we divide it into four phases. The first phase is make sure that you have uh, your product uh, trademarked and yep. Your, your company, all that stuff covered from a legal perspective. Um, and then make sure that you have, let's say your domain name and all that stuff secured. So that's just the very basic kind of, you know, don't mess up completely type of level. And, a, the, and the, then, the global trademarks, are they kind of covered in China or do you need to specifically look at China separately? You have to specifically set up for China um, yeah. is the safest way. So yes. I'm not a trademark lawyer. No, no, no. Obviously, but, but no. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I understand, they would recommend and we would recommend that you talk to a professional trademark lawyer. Um, we can also recommend yeah, and, yeah, sure. and, and, and make sure that you get all of that stuff sorted out before you even put a foot here, because sure. someone else will see that you're here and they'll grab your trademark and register yeah. it and sit on it for years and yeah. they'll pay for that later. Yeah. So yeah. that's like very basic stuff. And then, you know, a lot of the problems that people have in the beginning are problems with uh, getting over the great firewall that mm -hmm. their Chinese users will have problems accessing their website. Yeah. So you might have to consider setting up your website either within China or close okay. by China in Singapore or Hong Kong mm -hmm. where there's a faster connection Yeah. and localizing it. And then, you know, this kind of naturally leads into a thing like, okay, you're going to redo your website for China. Mm -hmm. You're going to do a Chinese version of your website. Is your message actually going to resonate with Chinese target audience? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're stepping back, you're saying, okay, you know, we're only going to offer these products and we have to adjust our messaging for China mm -hmm. is where we always recommend. So, you know, understanding your target audience is mm -hmm. a great thing that you can do. And, you know, during this kind of down weird time, it's a great project to get started on. Why mm -hmm. not set up qualitative interviews and start to understand maybe where your target audience sits here and what their mm -hmm. interests are or their pain points as well. Yeah. So, you know, set up a good base. And then from there, the channels and all that stuff you can deal with later uh, because the WeChat and the PR, the social media, all that stuff, those are channels. Yeah. But you need the basics like you need anywhere set up properly. One of the things I was just going to ask there about kind of the more traditional trade media and the PR side of things out there, is that as prevalent as it still is across Europe or is it, is it more digital first or what, yeah. what's your opinion there? Uh, print, less so. Yeah. You're not seeing that much print. Um, digital for sure. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard. There aren't, you know, the trade magazines were never stellar. Mm -hmm. um, you'll have one or two good ones in each key category. Um, but kind of figuring out the digital channels for that is definitely like an important step. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Great Fantastic. question. Well, thanks very much for your time, Mike. Thanks for taking the time to out of your evening to, to have a chat with us today. And great to see you uh, happy and healthy and pass my regards on to the, to the family. 
Um, where can people find you? Uh, where can people get in touch with you um, if they are interested in exploring the Chinese market or even just having an initial conversation with you? Sure. I mean, you can drop me a line personally, uh, mgolden, G-O-L-D-E-N, at brandago.com. Um, or you can drop by our website. It's all fine. Uh, I'm also on link LinkedIn, Mike Golden, Brandigo. I pop up a bit. So uh, just reach out personally. It's fine. It's great. Fantastic. That's great. Um, and as we always recommend at the end, if you anybody that's listening, feel free to check out BDB's content hub, um, The Knowledge, which is available on b2bknowledge.com for all our ungated um, content, helping you navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. And I am hopeful we will be able to do a China edition or either a global edition coming up uh, where we're going to invite some guest authors in. So hopefully we can get Brandigo um, involved in that from the, from the China and the US perspective as well. So watch this space on that one. Thanks very much, everyone. And uh, speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, everyone.